Ain't no mountain high enough. This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of nine to five. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We invite you to join us every Wednesday right here at 1 p.m. East through Focus Group Radio, which is our Facebook page, or our YouTube stream, which is also uh, Focus Group Radio. Everything we have is branded Focus Group Radio. So the easiest thing to do is if you go to focusgroupradio.com, you can find all the information there about us and both and all of our free audio and video broadcasting there, as well as some links to our partners. So click on those and uh, get some great deals as well. So how are you, Mr. Nash? I'm good. Uh, a couple of apologies. First, um, you might hear some noise in the background somewhere in the building, some apartments being renovated, and I'm sure you'll hear some banging now and then. Even if we were back in the studio, things like that do occur. And a big apology to Tim because listeners will not know this, but this is V2 of today's show because we get through the whole <laughs> show and I realized that my audio wasn't recording at all. So <laughs> That's okay because aside from the, the banging of the, of the hammers, my, my little spiky, the chihuahua, uh, has some sort of allergy and he's scratching like crazy. So during oh. the quick break, I, I was able to give him a pill. It's always this time of year. So he takes this, um, of course I forget the name of it now, but there's some new pill out that, uh, they give dogs to help stop their scratching. But, uh, with what's going on with the event, it's difficult to get a dog into the vet. And, um, so I have to try to figure out if I can get some more of these pills, but I don't know what it is. It's, it's some sort of seasonal allergy. And he just scratches and scratches and scratches. So there was the banging of the hammer, and then there was the uh, Spike's little, you know, <laughs> I never heard that. Tapping. I did not hear that at all. No. He will, he's, my, he's my little shadow. He's, he follows me every single place I go. And uh, so he's, he's literally inches away from my feet here at the, at the desk uh, just listening to the show. So he, he, we'll call him our, our executive producer, Spike. He's our, he's our EP, our executive <laughs> producer. Well, you can never have a better one than Spike, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's, uh, without further ado, Mr. Nash, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Yeah, we're moving right along, right? So what caught my eye is something that comes up perennially, or perennially. Things about this brand catch our eye frequently, and it's Costco. And Tim introduced me to Costco three years ago, four years ago. You've been talking about them for a long time, but I finally became a devotee at some point and started shopping there and love it to death. And I came across an article about the regional differences in Costco. And the thing that really actually caught my eye was this first picture that I'm going to put up here. And it's a picture of a chocolate Pentagon. And it says at the Costco in Washington, DC, you can buy federal buildings made of chocolate. So yeah. it's a Pentagon. <laughs> I think I sent this to you in a PowerPoint deck. All the pictures. I love, I love that idea. I would, I would totally buy that. Was that, would that be something you would buy? I would buy. Well, think about this for a minute. The money. I would love a Jefferson Memorial, the circular one, right, in chocolate, <laughs> and the Lincoln would be cool, and of course, the Washington Monument would be pretty, pretty cool to have as well, right? It'd be cool at Christmas if they did it because they could decorate them. Like, are they big enough that you could decorate them like gingerbread houses? 
you can have Bob put glue on little gumdrops and little lights, and you can you can do a whole little Washington D.C. You know, Christmas nativity. It's an interesting question you bring up because as I stare at this and I'm looking at the label, I'm trying to get gauge this scale here. But you pr- you could probably make this a centerpiece, and um, maybe if you had <laughs> other little Washington D.C. things around, it would be good. So the next image I'm going to show is what you get at Costco Hawaii. At Hawaiian Costco's, there are mango and guava cheesecakes and fresh-baked sweet rolls, which, again, are highly appropriate to the island, right? Yep. Um, this is one that we laughed at before. Costco in Anchorage, Alaska is stocked with bear spray, float coats, and whole-roasted pigs. I can see Russia from my porch, plus stuff <laughs> like salmon traps and sleds. You wouldn't need them in the lower 50, but here you go for this one, right? See, I'm surprised the bear spray is not being sold in Provincetown either. <laughs> yeah. But um, bum bum. Uh, <laughs> sidebar, when Bob and I went to uh, Barcelona years ago, and we went to the town of Siches, which is this little colonial thing, literally a cab ride outside of Barcelona. We're sitting on the beach, and we were surrounded by very, I'm just going to say, uh, large larger guys and it turns out that it was the european bear weekend in Sitges, and they couldn't have been friendlier and it could not have been a more hilarious crowd and it was a good time so this last image i'm putting up is japan locations have bulk sashimi so you can go on into a japan costco and buy this big big tray and you know nothing is small in costco yeah. it's like family size. it's sashimi so I just thought that that was real. Oh, and of course, in um, Canada, you get uh, poutine, which is French fries and cheese curds and gravy. Sounds like a <laughs> sounds delicious to me. To me. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an evangelical or evangelist to Costco, like you are with Apple with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I I love the uh, I love Costco and I love all of the items there. And even the Costco's near me do have. Um, I guess they profile depending upon different people that live in certain areas. Some Costco's have a lot of Asian food, some of Indian food, some just have uh, you know, typical American fare. So good, good for Costco for knowing their market. Well, I, even the difference between Philadelphia and New York, like you've said to me before, like, Oh, cor- hurry up and get to Costco. You can get X, Y, and Z. You're looking for spiky. No, I was looking for a cough drop. I thought I might need a cough drop, but you saw me looking down. Yeah, you I caught did. me, John. <laughs> well, you're right here in front of me on the studio camera. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, we used to have a cough button back in the day. Do you have a cough button on this machine? Yeah, all you have to do is go up to your microphone and switch it off. You know, a little switch. Oh, up is that there. what you do? If you want to. It? Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So if I had a cough, I should do that you rather would than just moving my head switch. away. Yeah. It would, can, be, I, can I try it? Yeah, go ahead. Did you hear me cough? No. I did not. Oh, this is ideal now. I learned something today. So, my producer John. <laughs> like, you know, I got tested for the COVID last week. I know. You were having bad allergies and a, who knows what, but did you get results? Yeah. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got tested and, and I'm negative. They were doing it down here for free. And, uh, and I actually did not feel, I, I had some sort of um, respiratory thing. I don't know exactly what it was. And, uh, but you said your allergies were going crazy too, so I'm, I was thinking. I was, was literally going to bring this up with you. I have a suspicion it was because of the hurricane, and and I say it this way: um, 
before the hurricane went through, my allergies were fine. Afterwards, day in, day out, it was Claritin back-to-back and the the nasal spray that you introduced me to. And that barely kept it in check. And then I had a brief conversation with a friend who said, well, you know, the hurricane kicked up all that pollen, and it brought it all up from the south. And I thought, oh, there might be some truth to that. Of course, I did cut the grass before coming to the city, and the the sun was shining through all the crap that was in the air that was being kicked up by the lawnmower. So there's no doubt that we were breathing in a lot of stuff. A lot of junk, a lot mm-hmm. of junk. Well, I, I, I love the Costco, the Costco, uh, Costco story. And I, th- I think I would get, I'm going to look around here and see if they have what, what, if they might have that, uh, if the you ever story. locate the chocolate Washington, like the Pentagon, I, yeah, cash money, I'd pay you for that. That could be hilarious. But I think it's a great idea. I'm wondering why they don't do that. And so you could do New York. You could do the Statue of Liberty, right? You could do an Empire, Empire State, State Building. Building would be the easiest. Philadelphia, yeah. they could do the Bell. Mm-hmm. The Bell you would know, be great. You know, and, and I don't know what, it, what you would do in some other. The Golden Gate Bridge, maybe that might be a little bit too much to do. Mm. They could do the Transamerica Pyramid for San Francisco, yeah. right? Yeah. I wonder if Edward Mark Chocolate's doing this for them. Didn't Edward Mark, so they, they had a place in the Pentagon, They sold remember? chocolate in the Pentagon, yeah. As if all those military personnel were running around looking for truffles and, I gotta get truffles now. Go to the Pentagon, <laughs> Edward Mark's store, down. You know, the Pentagon is so huge that if you were at one side of it and you said, I need to buy a box of chocolates for friends tonight, see you in an hour, because you'd have to run around to the, wherever the Edward Mark thing was. It's a huge building. Remember, we've driven by it several times. Yeah, it's enormous. Well, I have to ask, you know, Joe Biden and his family were in town in, uh, in Rehoboth Beach this weekend. They were at church. They were they were kind of around. Fox News caught them on their bicycles. Okay. Uh, biking. You're now and answering so, something that I saw on the news. He was biking, and one of the people said, hey, Joe, have you figured out who your VP is? And he said, yeah. And he goes, who? He goes, you. But literally, as he's riding the bike and doing his thing, um, Trump tweeted out, that Sleepy Joe was up to no doing something. Yeah. So there was it was the antithesis of of that, right? He wasn't he was anything but sleepy, right? Yeah, I know he was out riding his mountain bike in, in a in a beach that, that you've been to um oh, when you've been down beach. to visit. And we were laughing because then he went to the he went to the church. But so the motorcade does not go by our house because somebody told me that there's DC people everywhere here. It's like ants. <laughs> so it's a summer nation's summer capital. So my road doesn't have enough um, feeder roads off of it. So the road that I'm on doesn't have enough roads if you needed to get off quick. In other words, turn off onto another area or, or move along. So he's, he's one lane over or one road over so that he could quick getaway should need be. But uh, the full complement of Secret Service is down here too. Everyone's bracing as to what may happen if he, if he wins because he does spend a lot of time here and he is out and about. He likes to go to the bookstore he uh, he's got his favorite restaurants here, and he's very ex- very accessible. There's always pictures of him taking selfies with uh, with people in town, and and uh, it's a small state, and everybody knows him or feels like they know him. So it'll be curious to see what happens should he should he win. Who do you think he's going to pick for uh, for VP? Any any? Do you have any skin in the no, game? I I literally read an article that um someone recommended that he not pick Kamala Harris because he would prefer her to be. The attorney general, the next attorney general. Wow. I, was, I was interested in that one. I was like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. But I'm going to let it go until he actually announces. Well, we'll see what happens. So my uh, my caught my eye this week is uh, is a political one, and this has been in and uh, since it's been reported on last couple of days, uh, 
Our president, 45, has said it's fake news. It didn't happen. Yet the governor of South Dakota says it did happen. The governor, Christy Nome, said that when she met the president in the White House, that uh, he had actually said for her to come over and shake my hand, Christy. And she said, oh, you know, Mr. President, <laughs> I, you know, nice to meet you. You'd have to come to South Dakota. We have Mount Rushmore. And Trump had said, well, you know, uh, it's been a dream of mine to have my face on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and she laughed and she laughed at him. And she said, but he wasn't laughing, that he was totally serious. And so after there was a follow up from the White House, somebody actually called and said, is it possible to add another face to Mount Rushmore? And so John and I were out there. We love we love Mount Rushmore. It's, it's really a magnificent, magnificent place. And lots of people say that it looks like there might be a room next to George Washington's uh, image that you could put uh, another face or another head. But the Park Service says absolutely not. Uh, the geologists as well that study this say absolutely not that the, um, the surface is not secure enough and it would just damage the other, the other parts of the memorial. And then somebody else chimed in and said, and there's quite a list of presidents <laughs> that probably <laughs> would, would be ahead of the current that might have their faces uh, uh, on, the, uh, on Mount Rushmore. So it, uh, it's, it's one of these you can't make it up. It's kind of like, let's buy Greenland, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to buy Greenland. So, but they, so he, she's also, though, this Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, um, was also talked about. She, apparently, she and Trump get along quite well. And uh, there was some talk that uh, she would replace Pence on the ticket as VP. And uh, if you've seen her picture, you could understand he's, she's very much in the uh, in the mode of what Trump would uh, want in his VP candidate, I think. All right. So I, I was switching back and forth between two pictures. One is the one of Melania and the president in front of Rushmore. And then there's the great shot of you and me. Just so our listeners know, this was on a uh, road trip we did in the new VW all-track wagon several years yes. ago from Den uh, Seattle to Denver via some of the great parks. And this was a late-in-the-day arrival at uh, Rushmore, which I think was the same day we went to Devil's Tower, which ended up being one of your more favorite destinations, even though it was very close encounters of the third kind and you weren't sure you wanted to be going there. But I didn't expect I would like it. And you were you were I'm glad you made us go there. You, when I think about it now, I don't know what the rush was. I don't know if it's because we had we had uh, we had Bob with us and he he, he had uh, a certain amount of time. But there were some other things out there I think we probably should have while we were there seeing. Right. There were the badlands. We didn't go through there. The weather was really bad one day. We thought if we had stayed another day, we could have seen some more because the, the the countryside was magnificent, wasn't it? You know, now that you bring it up, I'm not, um, I don't remember our time frame. Uh, we did a, a lot of driving in a short amount of time, but we did also cover a lot. But this, it was Sunday to Thursday. Yeah, it, that's right. It was press trip into something else. And then we wanted to get back. Um, although Tim did a great, Tim did all the mapping and the hotels. This was our least favorite hotel the morning after our uh, Mount Rushmore visit. I met Tim for breakfast and we, he Oof. said, did you sleep in the bed? I'm like, of course we did. He goes, I slept on the bed. I did not even turn the sheets down. So this picture of Tim and me underneath the, uh, the monument, what he was referring to is to the left of George Washington. If you're looking on the video, there is an outcropping that could maybe have another face on it. But what you said is geologically, they're like, no way. Can't do that. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. They said structurally, it just would not work. You wouldn't be able to do it. And then even if you could, 
you know, there's the names of John F. Kennedy have, have couple, come up. Just a couple. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. There's a number of other presidents whose whose names have been brought forward to come up. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a long line before before Mr. Trump uh, makes his way into there. But I, I am looking forward to going down to Disney because I'm sure they must have Trump doing the Hall of Presidents, right? <laughs> the animatronic robot, you know. Like. <laughs> what if he's there? Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> You'd almost, if you had any sense of humor, you'd have the Disney guys do the whole thing where he mocks everything and is just so foul. It would actually like the handicapped like reporter. All, all the things he, people he made fun of, the name calling of everyone, and his if you his put that all together, behavior. Yeah. Oh yeah, you'd be quite quite the quite the uh, robot at the the Hall of Presidents <laughs> in Disney. Quite the animatronic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that blonde up front? Grab her by the pussy. <laughs> So well, there well, go. there you go. Yeah. So our business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So born today, April 12th, 1862, uh, Julius Rosenwald. And uh, he died at age 69 in 1932. He's an American businessman and philanthropist. And uh, I'll shorten the story here a little bit, but uh, he was a clothier. And he learned the clothing business in New York City. And um, he decided after the Civil War, there was a number of companies that started to standardize sizings. So small, medium, large for people, extra large. And I guess they must have used, I didn't research it fully, but they said that they used, I guess, the the bodies or whatever um, from the Civil War to standardize clothing. So these this would be what a medium was or this would be what a small was. And I think they had to do it because they were making uniforms or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, Correct, yeah. So he decided that uh, his company that he had, Rosenwald um, Clothiers, with this other guy, Wheel, that they would um, make this standardized clothing and sell it to to stores. But he was going to go to the Midwest to do it. So they left New York, went to the Midwest to open a factory, and also wanted to service a lot of the farm uh, farmers and, mid- and Midwestern uh, business out there that didn't necessarily have access to a lot of the the goods you had on the East or West coast. So he teamed up, um, he started selling things to Sears and Roebuck and Sears and Roebuck. I didn't realize was a watch company, uh, initially before the hardware and, uh, and everything else. Right. Right. So he, he, uh, he would sell clothes and so forth to, um, to, uh, Sears and Roebuck. And then in 1893, they said that, um, there was a panic of 1893. I don't know exactly what that was. I probably should have done more research. But there was a panic of 1893. A lot of businesses collapsed. A lot of things um, things went under. And Sears owed, Sears and Roebuck owed Rosenwald an awful lot of money. because, And they couldn't pay for the clothing that he had provided. So rather than them not paying, um, Roebuck retired from Sears. Sears offered half of the company to Rosenwald and another guy that also sold, um, sold clothing. So they got half the, half the value of Sears. So they kept the name Sears and Roebuck, but so Sears and this guy Rosenwald, uh, Julius Rosenwald came on, came on board. And, um, at that time, the company they thought was worth about $150,000. So, uh, from 1895 though, to 1907, Rosenwald became vice president and treasurer of the company and they grew sales from seven hundred and fifty thousand to upwards of fifty million. Isn't that something? Think about that. That that's that's a geometric scaling. It's not even yeah. huge. 
Huge. And they said it happened because Rosenwald's management philosophy was to diversify their product lines. So they brought in a number of dry goods, consumer durables, drugs, hardware, furniture. And they said nearly anything a farm household could desire. And of course, I love the Sears. Mm -hmm. um, weren't they the kit, kit homes? Our house is based on one. I don't know if it's exactly one, but the upstate house is based on a Sears craftsman house from the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are great. And uh, he, he became friends with, with Henry Goldman and also uh, his partner, Sachs, which uh, figures in later on. But they, they helped him. So they helped him um, do a stock offering for Sears. The valuation of the company at that time was about $40 million in 1906. And uh, Sears ended up getting sick and he retired. And then Rosenwald wanted to take their wealth and their money and actually do more philanthropy. And so uh, he retired as well. And his friend Paul Sachs of Goldman Sachs, we had a friend Goldman and friend Sachs, introduced him to um, William Baldwin and Booker T. Washington and talked about the plight of African Americans in this country, particularly with education, about how, um, how the African American schools were not up to par. They weren't getting the books. They weren't getting the teachers. They weren't getting any of the, the things that they would need to be properly educated in this country. And it was a real issue. And as I, was, as I was reading this, I thought, my God, this was 1912. You know, this, this was going on, and we're still having these conversations, conversations today. I'm showing the picture um, of the book jacket for Julius Rosenwald. It's a biography, I guess, by Peter Escali. And the subhead reads, The man who built Sears Roebuck and advanced the case, or the cause, sorry, of black education in the American South. And then to the right, Tim provided a sepia picture of him in the middle of a, a row of, little, of young schoolgirls. Uh, black school girls, and they're all wearing um, white outfits, and each one has a letter, like R-O-S, like for Rosenwald, to spell his name. And, then, right. and he's just quietly standing there, like, proud of his, his school, I guess, right? Right. So so Booker T. Washington was um, was leading the Tuskegee Institute. And so the, one of the first things that Rosenwald did is he endowed that school with enough money so that Washington could spend his time um, just actually working on developing education, not worried so much about fundraising, as you know, with so many private institutions with all the fundraising that goes into it. So over the years, he had given over $70 million um, to help address the state of African-American education in the country and actually the insufficient education that was going on, as we talked about inadequate buildings and books. And the one interesting thing about him, so he, and he's, he did that for all of, all of the money he, he, had, uh, he had endowed most of it went to um, helping uplift the African-American community and or other minority communities uh, around Chicago and in the South. And the one interesting thing they mentioned, and I, I guess I didn't think about this. So an endowed, when you endow uh, a school or you endow a scholarship or something, the hope is that that money will last in perpetuity and you just spend the principal, or I'm sorry, you just spend the, um, the interest that you would make. And in this case, he wanted the money spent. So it wasn't the sort of thing where he gave seventy million and they'd spend seven million or or seven hundred thousand whatever a year. He wanted the money spent, so all the money was spent uh, right up front to go um, to go help these causes that were important to him. Then there was a documentary that was done uh, in twenty fifteen called Rosenwald: The Remarkable Story of a Jewish Partnership with African American Communities. They didn't won a few awards, but he's he's one of those people I think that um, again you don't hear much about. And uh, I, I wondered where his philanthropic um, 
Or his desires to give back like his that? Desires, yeah. yeah, his desires came from, but it was, it was who he met, and it was the fact that, uh, that Paul Sachs introduced him. Uh, when he said, I want to do more philanthropy, and calls his friend Paul Sachs, what should I do? And Paul Sachs says, you know, you really should look at what's going on in the South with the African-American population and education. And that's where he devoted his time and his energies to. So, so good for him. I think it's a fantastic business birthday. And I like the question you just posed, which might be interesting to examine um, if we happen to read a biography of him, is where did he find... I mean, so acquaintances and business relations and people that he peers would direct right. him towards, hey, this is a need that really would use your, your expertise and your money and your time. But you have to want to do it. You can't just be told that it's there. So he he probably had a passion to try to make things equal. It's interesting. I, I think it's a great business birthday. Yeah. All right. So, you know, they, they they said just as a sidebar, I guess they said, to answer that question, maybe a little bit. I'm just speculating. But he d- he did also talk. There was some thread in there about the way he was treated as a Jew. And I wonder if that had something to do with it as well, of saying, you know what, I, I know what it's like to be discriminated against as a as a Jewish American, let alone what it must be like with a with a different skin color. I, I I'm so. going to go out on a limb and say you're probably really, really accurate about that, because um, discrimination and uh, especially against the Jewish uh, faith and individuals has been around for a long time. And it's, and it's, yeah. it's painful to watch it. If you see it recreated on, on TV or movies, cause you're like, what the, it's, a, it's their religion. What do you do? But it's, you know, even yeah. think back to uh, when we were taught about the bubonic plague and the black plague in Europe, because the Jewish areas of the cities used to be cleaner. Uh Oh, they yeah. must be the reason the plague. I mean, cause they lived, <laughs> crazy stuff right yeah yeah very much hey we're gonna um take a super quick break and when we return we have a shop talk for you and it's a pr based one so stay with us and we'll be right back after this quick break you're listening to the focus group with tim and john learn more at focusgroupradio.com Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. And in business a week, I got more money than I know what to do with. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. Herrera Rocher. <laughs> he is doing well. <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Ferrer Rocher. Bubbles de Vere. <laughs> we encourage all of you to go to focusgroupradio.com and find all of our free programming, including our podcast, TFG Unbuttoned, which releases every Tuesday morning. The uh, Bubbles de Vere, John, I love Bubbles We don't see enough of her, and you know, I hate to tell you this. Um, From Little Brit. So there was a meme going around. It might have been a Frank DeCaro. It could have been on Frank's Instagram, and it was basically, remember there was an album, Delight, was it, I'm thinking? Oh, yeah. He said on the post, don't jump out a window or panic, but this came out 40 years ago, or 30. It was something, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) That's like somebody opposes that about the B-52s album. And uh, one of the B-52s albums that came out in 1990 or 89, 90. I guess that would have been 40 years, right? 30-some years, yeah. 
Oh, 31, 30. You and I are bad with We want to be bad with math when it comes to our ages and placing us in the time stream. So uh, what do you have for Shop Talk today? This, this is a PR piece, and it's about Ellen DeGeneres. Right. So we were trying to figure out whether we would address this or not. So it's been bubbling up since November, actually, that people, people have been, been calling, uh, calling out Ellen DeGeneres that perhaps her moniker, her branding of be kind to everyone, um, might not necessarily, or be kind to one another, might not necessarily be accurate. And they talked about how that um, she either encouraged or she knew of or she didn't do anything about a toxic work environment. And they said some of it they thought might have had to do with her show. It's, it's, it's not as far off as a Jerry Springer, but there's lots of gotcha moments or where she makes celebrities feel uncomfortable by showing pictures or saying something that they might have done. And then they give a couple of excuses some or a couple of examples. Somebody had said, hey, if you have a story about how mean Ellen DeGeneres is, let us know. And I guess it lit up the, the internets um, more than anybody expected where people had told stories that maybe were Ellen related or maybe staffers had, had, had said things that were, were not appropriate. And now it's, it's a bit of a PR nightmare for Ellen. Uh, they said her ratings are at a 17-year low. And although they haven't been recording, I guess, because of the event, that there's some speculation as to whether she'll even be back or what it will look like when she comes back and what she should do. Yeah. That, that, and so if you were if you were her PR person or her communications person, what would you how would you get ahead of this or settle this? Well, down? I'd be happy that I wasn't recording new shows um, or maybe not. Maybe having her in front of the cameras and, and getting that daily show produced would be smart. But a lot of the stuff that's coming at her is coming out of left field, probably for her. And the article that Tim found two articles that kind of bookended this really nicely. One was describing the accusations against her. And the other was looking at, um, you know, what happens, you know, when you try to rehabilitate your image after something like this. So um, here's a paragraph in one article. Much of the recent outrage around Ellen stems from the fact that people don't like to feel as though they've been sold a lie. The very first allegations against DeGeneres weren't regarding any form of strict misconduct per se. Um, people said that she was, to put it bluntly, mean. Mean is like a, a funny phrase to, you know. Right. This was summed up by a viral Twitter thread by comedian Kevin Porter, who called for evidence that DeGeneres was one of the meanest people alive. One response from a TV writer who knew former Ellen staff members claimed that DeGeneres has a sensitive nose. This, <laughs> so any everyone must chew gum from a bowl outside her office before talking to her. And if she thinks you smell that day, you have to go home and shower. That's that's just weird. That's That's weird behavior, right? I wonder what kind of gum it is. <laughs> You go right there. It's probably dentine or something. Dentine. You got to get a smell. On nice. the same thread. I guess instead of taking a shower, John, you could just chew a exactly. stick on, Save some water. On the same thread, uh, journalist Carrie Poppy said, My friend who worked at Real Food Daily says Ellen came in and dined, and when she saw her server had a chip nail, Ellen called management and tried to get her fired. This sort of heresy or hearsay uh, would constitute a crisis for just wouldn't constitute a crisis for just any star. After all, Hollywood full celebrities acting rude. But in DeGeneres's case, with her be kind to one another, these accusations stuck, and that's where we're at right now. So, don't you think it's a little bit of he said, she said, made up stuff? Or what do you think? Well, I, my 
my thought on any of this is where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. And, and I remember an old sales adage somebody once told me, they said, perception is reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so perception is reality here in the case of if people feel that way, or even though in her mind or her thought that, oh no, this is, I'm just kidding. Or you're part, you're in on the joke, aren't you? That in this case, um, people don't necessarily feel that way. I'm, I'm shocked because if you look at Oprah Winfrey, for instance, you never heard anything about Oprah other than she was wonderful to her staff and, and, her, and shared and she had them all share in her success. And so I believe that. And in, and in this case, I would have to say I somewhat believe what these other people are saying, because why would you say it if it weren't true? And or, are you saying it because you want to get back at her for some reason? Otherwise, you wouldn't say anything. Right. I mean, why would these staffers come forward and say these things happened or people saw these things if they weren't necessarily true, if they didn't want to get back at her? And this is where I think DeGeneres either made the mistake. They said she, they think she contacted a PR firm because there was this onslaught of other celebrities that had been on her show that were praising her and talking about yeah. how great she was. And so the thought is, OK, is she now doing this rehabilitation effort? Will she go on the morning shows and, uh, and do her mea culpa and, you know, I'm sorry if these things happened, I was unaware of it or whatever she's got, whatever the excuse will be. And do you go back on air? Cause she has these daytime or these evening game show programs. I don't watch them. I hate that sort of stuff, quite frankly. Um, you like Jeopardy you though, know, right? I, well, I do. I like the, I like Jeopardy and I, and I'll, I'll suffer through wheel of fortune or something, but the, you know, these, these game shows that they have on at night or these reboots they've tried to do of the pyramid mm -hmm. and match game mm -hmm. and, and family feud, I think are atrocious. And, uh, and so she does these shows and I'm sure there's an audience for them, but I thought, well, why doesn't she just say, you know what? I've done this talk show for 17 years, 18 years, whatever it is. And now I'll do something different, but I, it may be ego. Um, and, and cause it's certainly not the way you want to go out, right? Do you want to come back and bomb because this stuff doesn't go away? No, and you and you don't want to ignore it because it's going to snowball, and you know the tabloids and stuff love picking this up. I don't know how you're pivot on this one. I, I, I one of the articles you had was that you mentioned it a moment ago that there might have been a PR firm involved because suddenly after she had a sort of an apology, she should have been more attentive because a lot of this pertains to things that are happening at the production company that might not right. necessarily be related to her. Outside of that chip fingernail and you better chew gum in front of Ellen or she'll kick you out if you have bad breath, which is just, yeah. Well, you know that story. I used to work with a, a woman who owned a magazine and, um, you know, she was very particular about who was at the office. And one day I go into the art director's office to uh, hand some type typesetting to him. This is way back in the day. And there was a, a young lady sitting at a drafting table and she looked okay, but the, the owner comes in, takes one look at her, says to the art director, I need to speak to you, drags him out and says, you get rid of her now because she hurts my eyes. 20 minutes later, that freelancer wasn't there and she was replaced. So, yes, you would deem that as a mean boss, right? Because she managed to get you out the door. But those stories, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that circulates amongst people in the industry, et cetera. When it hits the public airwaves, as it did with Ellen, as you've been saying, right. now you have a different kind of problem on your hands because it's no longer industry chatter. It's 
in the media. People are talking about it. I'm not sure how she does this. If she could either ignore it, which I don't think you would recommend, but if she acknowledges it, isn't she then basically saying there's truth here and um, I'm not the nicest person? It's a kind of off-brand for her, right? Well, and that's exactly where I was going to go with this. So her brand being about, you know, be kind to one another. So that's her whole shtick. Her whole brand is be kind to one another. And if that's not really what's happening, you feel like you've been sold a bill of goods or you've been betrayed. And that's where the the fans will go. That's why I wonder why you would, you know, why you would continue um, mm. if I were her. But I, 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 I don't... Um, I think this is the sort of thing where if she had said, I, I'm aware of this or I, I'm aware of these problems. And th- then it begs to do, begs to question, well, why don't you do anything about it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a lose-lose. And this this goes, you and I often would, would refer to Lonnie Davis in his PR book 101, Tell It Early, Tell It All, Tell, tell It Yourself. yourself. And in this, in this case, um, Ellen has missed the, 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 the tell it early. She's missed the tell it yourself. And um, it's almost too late to do the tell it all at this point because the other two things are uh, are past the uh, sell by date. So, yeah, yeah, it's like stale bread. Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of people that we worked with, or you know, you hear rumors about different bosses or or executives at companies. And I always think if there's there's usually if you hear something, there's a there's usually a thread, right? Like look look what's going on with this crazy at uh, Fallwell at the. Uh, Falwell Junior, Liberty University. University. Yep. You know, I was posing with the picture with the shirt off, and then the month before there was the pool boy that's getting paid thousands of dollars. To me, there's there's smoke there, right? Something's going on. Now he's on on leave. And indefinite leave yeah. of absence. And the <laughs> the Falwell story is interesting because apparently there was a, a percolating backlash against him and some of his do as I say, not as I do policies. Yeah. And the minute that picture surfaced of him with the fly down and whatever else was going on. He then that opens the can of worms of people who have grievances or they think that he should not be in charge of the university. And that quickly overtook it. And you and I have worked in so many corporate situations where um, a CMO will suddenly leave the company. Right. And you're, well, what's going on? And the staff, a lot of people in the know will kind of do the backdoor thing, like let's talk over here, and I'll tell you. But the, you know, the uh, the public record is they've gone on to to they want to look after their family or there's something right. they want to do, and that the minute you hear that, you know there's something salacious and scandalous that happened, right? Yeah, and in most cases they are. <laughs> I mean, if you and I could tell some of the stories about why some people aren't where yeah. they are, yeah, I mean, you know. Make your hair stand. I don't have hair. I do, but it would stand on end if you heard some of these stories. <laughs> we've we've been shocked actually by some of the stuff we've heard by why people have been asked to to leave the company. Yeah, it's um, unbelievable. Some of the things are just unbelievable. Some things happen that people don't leave the company, which is equally as unbelievable to mm-hmm. me. Yep. But um, yeah, but that's the case. It reminded me again of you. You had said, "Do as I say, not as I do." The NRA is another one with where they've spent <laughs> millions of dollars on lavishing themselves on private jets and cruises for all these people that want to be able to shoot their guns. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes back to everything you everything you need to know about about hypocrisy goes back to what Animal House. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, or, or, I'm sorry, Animal, animal farm. farm. Animal Farm. Animal Farm, yeah. right. All animals are created equal. Some are more equal, equal than, than others. others. <laughs> but, right. I'm so glad we learned that at an early age, right? Because yeah. that really set the stage for all of this. Just right. crazy. And life's not fair. 
and life's not fair. Well, we'll have to see what happens with Ellen moving forward. I'll be curious if she pivots in September at some point, if the show goes back into production. And of course, if she doesn't come back, a lot of people will be not working at that point because right. they're associated with the production. So I, I would think that instead of, I think you'd want to like make sure she's doing okay because she's, you know, I we'll see how this goes. This was a real surprise to me when this started coming up, but it's so schadenfreude, right? The healthy laughter yeah. at the misery of someone who we think is happy and wonderful. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be like too much concern. No, which yeah. welcome to America 2020. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to want to thank you for joining us here on the Focus Group. Please check out Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast. That drops on Tuesdays, obviously. And all our media, video and audio, and all the links to all the platforms you can get our podcasts on are at focusgroupradio.com, and that includes a list of our sponsors and partners and information about me and Tim. If you are hitting the road for any reason, don't text and drive. Arrive alive, and we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.